Craft Beer Radio episode 432 on August 5th, 2017. And welcome to Craft Beer Radio 12 years later. <laughs> yeah, this Greg's, is from the soundtrack of White Hat American Summer 10 years later. Yeah, Greg so. is stoked that they dropped on Netflix just recently. Yeah, oh, it's great. I watched. I, <laughs> Jeff has already said he, he uh, binged the first four. I binged the first eight, the only eight, really. And <laughs> there, it, it's one of those things where if you love the original, I think you'll like this one, too. Yeah, it's... Good zany fun. Mm-hmm. So, what are we on to today? Let's start off with the the Municellus Golden Lager. All right, Casey Beer, because that's B I E R. Yes, sir. Has uh, this Hellas, uh, which is five percent alcohol by volume, twenty three IBU, and that's kind of all the info I have on it. This is one of the beers that Dave sent us. We had. Uh, one of the bottles that we had from KC Beer, the first dunkle that we had, was off. Mm-hmm. Then we went to the second dunkle, and it was reviewable. We had uh, tasted one of these Hellas's, I think, in a pre-show. There's a yogurt thing going on. Is there? Really? The other bottle of the Hellas was fine. Hmm. I'm not really smelling the yogurt. It's pretty clear. I might get into it, but let's see. Yogurt and or cream cheese. Hmm. Yeah, I guess. Cream cheese is a pretty good call. <laughs> it still tastes mostly like a Hellas, but it's not clean. Yeah. Very, very hazy. Oh, here. Take a sip of mine. Don't, don't blend them. Just take a sip of mine. <laughs> Probably less cheesy. Yes. Take a sip of mine. I will. Because I like my cream cheese. <laughs> All right, let's dump your half. <laughs> and I'll give you half of my half. All right. And maybe we can talk about it for a bit. Sure. We have more than enough beer to go around this show, so. Another case of battle bottle stratification. We had a listener send me, like, you got that 3D printer. Why don't you make, like, a oh, funnel I that, saw that. that diverts it into two streams? And while it's a, it's a neat idea, I could just imagine how difficult it would be to design a funnel that would meet my requirements. Mm-hmm. One that would pour it optimally. So, I don't know if I'm going to take up that design challenge or not. So I got a little bit of bite finally from the from the clear one, you know, a little mm-hmm. bit of the. Um, but still, yes, no. There's something off about this. There's a little. Yeah. I, mean, I can't. We can't really fully evaluate. So, this one. they're hit or miss. Then, yeah. We, like I said, I think we did the Hellas on a pre-show, and that one was fine. So, kind of like, got it put back on the roster for evaluations, and then we grabbed the wrong yeah. one. At least. You're not guaranteed a bad one. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, that's not good enough. Not not good enough. Or it shouldn't be good enough. Oh, you're going for it, huh? I'm going going for it. So uh, this 
We're, I guess, Growler Month uh, <laughs> on Craft Beer Radio. This is actually it's more like a New England IPA two weeks on, on the Craft Beer because because there are a couple that I can get around here. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is from the Grist House. Got this on Wednesday. Should be fine because this Growler hasn't been opened since then. Uh, this is Floodline, a New England IPA from Grist House, which is a local uh, brewery. That has a, a nice tap house and yes. uh, floodline makes sense. You you weren't sure of the name before because they are in Millville. Millville's been flooded out mm-hmm. a few times, so uh, they probably actually have a floodline in their brewery from when before they were there. But when it was flooded, they're in an old um, like slaughterhouse. Ah, that's what it was. They have a nice outdoor area and they always bring food trucks over. It's a it's a good it's a nice uh, place. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of dogs if you like to bring your dog to a brewery. Mm-hmm. Uh, 35 IBU, 6.5% alcohol by volume. They also, I think, use uh, oat flakes in here and you know, to give it some extra turbidity. Yeah, so it pours a hazy, it was kind of like a wit beer color wise. Their standard New England IPA, uh, their basic one. I forget what it's called. Hazelnut juice grenade uh, has Simcoe in it, and it's fine. But mm-hmm. I I like the, the you know the New England stuff when they don't use Simcoe and they're you know when they're less into putting bitterness in it and more right. into putting uh, the hops that Jeff likes to call the delicious hops. <laughs> yeah. So this one has um, a bit of a melony type aroma to it. Not quite cantaloupe, not quite honeydew, but there's something vaguely melony. Maybe like if you start in Mangoville and drive towards Melonville, it's like just outside of the city limits of Mangotown. I can buy that. There is a a good amount of kind of uh, wet, just wet hop aroma like you get from <laughs> just the leaves themselves. Oh, the aroma is just, it's kind of... There's a little bit of orange in there. Has like this overall creamy feel to the aroma. It has that, like I said, that and I, that creamy is kind of where I'm getting like the melon flesh type imagery from mm-hmm. smelling it. It's the color is, um, you know, the straw, very hazy. Not as like, if you remember, we we're talking about the brew gentleman, uh, General Braddock, which is almost mm-hmm. like a vanilla cream yeah. color. It's it's closer to white. <laughs> But this is still on on the hazy orange side. All right. So you go into the flavor. The malt is quick and sharp. You know, you get this kind of just like pale two row type snap. And mm-hmm. then it goes into the hops. And the hops are different than I thought. I was expecting more juice, like more citrusy or something. And there's a bit of citrusy there. But it also gets a little bit uh, herbal or resiny or something like that. I think herbal is a better call. Um, I don't taste so much resin here, but mm-hmm. I do taste yeah. a lot of herbaceousness, uh, a lot of like um, green chlorophylly yeah. character. Almost like I'm trying to think. Like there's like you know like fresh herbs like out of an herb garden like. Um, Maybe sage, you know, not super potent, right? So it's going to be hard because you're going to think of biting into like a piece of sage and it's, you know, it's super potent. But if Mm -hmm. you like scale that way back, it still has that kind of freshness to it, though. 
like the the fancy curled parsley doesn't really have much flavor. Yeah. It has a little bit of like you know it doesn't have the big parsley flavor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has more of a just generic because it's it's not meant for flavor. It's meant for decoration. Right. Um, yeah, a little grassy. Pretty good. Nice mouthfeel on mm-hmm. it. Really nice yeah. mouthfeel. Very good and drinkable. No overt bitterness to to make it you know, to, to make it offensive in any way. Um it's a, it's a good example of a New England IP. It's not like the best I've ever had. Yeah. But I mean that's that's where I'm at too. Like it it's not quite as mouth filling as like some of those top end ones, mm-hmm. but it's almost there. It's certainly satisfying. I'm enjoying it. When I went to to get this, um, I actually went to get two, uh, and I got because I I wanted to have something for home, so mm-hmm. I got uh, the Heisdelic. Okay, and then I also got Floodline. But when he first filled Floodline, he accidentally filled it with Pilgrim Surfer, which is the double IPA, and then he said, "Well." Do you want that? I'll just give it to you free because I just pulled your fortune. I was like, uh, but I still do want the floodline. So he just gave me another free growler uh-huh. full of floodline. So I got two growlers, three growlers of price of two. Woohoo! Yeah. And when I went there, I, he asked me where I was from. I said, Dormont. And he said, Wow, you crossed the rivers. <laughs> <laughs> You're like New England IPA, man. <laughs> I did say that. I did say, well, where am I going to get a New England IPA in, uh, in Dormont? <laughs> Although we do have an answer to that. Very cool. No, I enjoyed that. Um, nice. I mean, super. You said 35 IBU, right? So, you know, it's like the opposite of. Those first generation IPAs, yeah, you know, give right. me your hoppiest beer, give me your most bitter beer, and you know there was a period where Greg and I were like, 175 IBUs, let's taste that, let's let's see what it can do, and you know, yeah, you know, then we realized that you know, you don't need the IBUs, not at all. the The hop flavor doesn't have to be a, a bracing flavor; it can be, it can be something that that you can enjoy. With, you can get rid of the bracing elements that most people really dislike mm-hmm. about it and still have a good hot flavor on right. it. And then also, a lot of these hops that are used in these beers are less apparently bitter. So even if this IBUs were equal, you know, if it was a 65 right. IBU beer, it wouldn't necessarily taste as bitter as a Chinook or a Cascade 65 IBU IPA. I wonder if you could, like, de-alcohol it. How it would taste to a children's palate, because I know that children <laughs> they it, they don't have their bitter or their bitter receptors are are more powerful when they're younger, something like that, where they don't mm-hmm. they, they really dislike bitter things, and that's one of the reasons why you tend to not like sweet things as much when you get older. Is your, your the way that your palate? I read something about this. Okay, I didn't know about any kind of change. I thought it was like. Adults like bitter things because of the side effects, you know, alcohol, <laughs> coffee, things like that. Well, like but, Brussels sprouts. And, yeah. You know, it's like yeah, all these you don't get of, side effects from Brussels sprouts, but they sure are t- yummy. It's, it's these, you know, bitter and sulfur compounds that do not taste good to a child's palate. But I wonder, like, if you could do something hoppy without without making alcohol in it, 
in a New England IPA way that, that would... Why would appeal. you want to waste those hops on this? Well, kids? because I think that there is... If, if you find a way to get the the bracing bitterness part of the hop out, mm-hmm. then you open the door for IPAs to even beginners. Right, you, you open that... No, I, I think... I, I think that Mosaic and Friends have done that, and it's been that way for you know almost almost five years now, at least three. Uh, and then the like these New Englands, like this is the first time I really like paid attention to an IPA where you said the IBUs are thirty five. That's surprisingly low. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think that the door is open with the right IPAs for beginners. And they generally have those mosaic galaxy type hops in them. Cool. It reminds me of I recently had sushi at a place um, in uh, in Mount Lebanon, and I ordered uni there, and it wasn't great uni. It I enjoyed it enough, but it was like older, not super fresh uni, which means that if you hadn't tasted uni before, it would taste just like poop. It, it was. <laughs> Since I knew it tasted like I could get the parts of the uni that I enjoyed mm-hmm. out of it, but I also like there were parts that were off. So, but a fresh uni, like I think anybody would like it, but that mm-hmm. was like no, you have to discount uni. Yeah. All right, our next beer is from Platform Beer Company. This is the Lawlessness Porter. Platforms in Cleveland, Ohio, and Columbus, Ohio. They make most of the beer to Cleveland. And they're the one that I drank a ton of on vacation and am generally a pretty big fan of. 6% alcohol by volume on this beer. All right, so this is a porter, robust porter. The aroma on this thing is roasty, deep, chocolatey. It almost almost smells like an imperial stout without the booziness. It's so rich on the nose. Uh, on the can, it actually says 6.25%, and they give you the malts and hops right on the can. Two Row, Munich 2, Chocolate, Beach, Smoked Barley, Special B, and Victory for the malt. For the hops, Northern Brewer, East Kent, Goldings, and Fuggle. Okay, so very, very English style. Mm-hmm. The the smoked malt is a curious addition. Might take it, might make it taste more, uh, period, more, mm. you know, um... Uh, you know, before the modern era, you know, when you have like, you know, the 1800s type when you're actually killing your malt with fire. Yeah, I'm getting a little bit of a sort of fireplace like aroma on there in addition to some toffee notes. The smokiness, when you when you know to look for it, definitely you can taste the malt on the sip. Mm-hmm. It's it's super apparent now that I'm looking for it. I would have I'm curious to know if I would have noticed it as much right away. Yeah, it, it it's kind of pretty astringent right off the bat with that roasty note. Um, it's following up with a good heap of of, of sweeter malt to it, slightly limit the the, the astringent. There's some sweetness to the malt, and there's a creaminess. It's almost like there's oats added to this. I'm getting like a mouthfeel that like where there's. Oh, it's not quite slimy, Mm-mm. but it's it's kind of the. You know, a fuller body, like oh, it's more like oats than lactose, but it's you know, it's, it's something that's kind of adding to the body. Well, I would suspect they would add that here if there was oats on it. I'm not so. Uh, let, I'm less talking about what they actually put in the beer, and more talking about what you, what you taste. Okay, yeah, I, I agree. There's a there's a good mouthfeel here. It is a little. 
little more astringent than I typically. Oh, it's not a status supporter. Then, 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 it, then it fits. Um, yeah, I'm sorry if I misled you because I talked about how it smelled like an imperial stout, yeah. and now I'm talking about oats and milk stouts. But no, no, it's definitely a porter. But it, to me, it has this like wonderful body to it. Yeah, it has the, a 1800s coal railroad porter. I mean, it's kind of a period thing, right? Mm-hmm. Because before they had gas-fired malt kilns. They had to kiln the malt with fire, so mm-hmm. all the malts had a degree of smokiness to them. Any beer news happened this week? Not that I know of. No? <laughs> Jesus. We're not going to have any breweries left to talk about if they keep selling. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the first one, it was kinda, it's really two weeks, really. Uh, shorts. Sold a uh, 19.99% equity stake to Lagunitas, which, as we know, is... To Lagunitas Holdings Incorporated. Right. Uh, which is 100% owned by Heineken. Heineken. Uh, yeah, so we got shorts. Brooklyn had a thing about they invested in a, in a brewery or two. They invested in 21st Amendment and Funkworks. And then they have and Kieran, Kieran from Japan yeah. bought a twenty four point five percent share, which is just under mm-hmm. the twenty five percent the Brewer Association puts for, um, <laughs> uh, which I will say this: there's there's a lot of um, you know there's consternation about oh you're just you're just going under the the Brewer Association number. Keep in mind this is the same uh, place that. Kept adjusting their tax uh, burden system so that Sam Adams could still fit. It wasn't wasn't the tax part. It was, it was they didn't want to lose two million barrels right. of craft beer production by mm-hmm. aging, you know, Sam Adams out. So that, you know, well, it, it was it, it was based on the small brewers tax differential, which they then got changed in mm-hmm. as a law. So, but okay, so. Brooklyn Brewery has they they partnered with and or bought or something like that Funkworks. Um, they invested in invested minority in, stakes in right. Funkworks and Twenty First Amendment. Twenty First Amendment, which a lot of people, particularly Six Point, had an issue with. <laughs> um, and then Sapporo bought Anchor. Sapporo bought Anchor. Yeah. Insert fake rage here, like. You know, how many people that are raging about craft brewers are selling that have been drinking Anchor regularly? Uh, and then just... Uh... And, and Anchor, you know, it's not like Fritz was still running Anchor, right? right Fritz right. is retired. I'm not, I think he's still alive, but I'm not sure. Um, so, you know, a while ago, they sold out to a management firm, equity, whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, so now, now a brewery owns it, so no more craft Cold Spring Brewing sold to a private equity firm, which still lets you be craft. Yep. The the, uh, the tweet I saw about that is like brewery that nobody cares about sells help. Yeah, because Cold Springs they do uh, some contract brew stuff. They have their own labels, but it's not like you know, yeah, not a bunch of beer geeks are gonna be screaming about Cold Springs. But they know how to make fine beer. Twenty One A used to. And maybe still does contract brew there. I mean, I know 21A has a much has a big production brewery now, but before they had that, they would make the beer Cold Spring. 
And the Brewers Association has, uh, first of all, have these pop-ups, which you noted, when you go to where mm-hmm. they're really trying to promote their independent label. And then their uh, big uh, mid-year results, the Brewers Association is a lobbying organization, that is trying to you know promote craft beer. And they're saying that, this, that the growth is now stable, as opposed to... They're promoting and you know pushing that. Look at how stable the market is, as opposed to look at how much it's growing. Yeah. So the numbers this for the first half of the year is five percent mm-hmm. after almost a decade of double digit growth. Right. So how you know like I was looking at this and like I'm glad it's still growing. I love beer, but it sure sounds like how do we spin you know the loss of our double digit growth? Oh, it's stable growth. I mean, it's a sustainable growth. Whenever the Brewers Association comes up, I feel like we should point out, A, that we have worked for them in the past. We, we hope to work with them in the future. Uh, we really think they are great people. We we support their, at least the, the you know. We support things that support better beer. Yes. And Do uh, we do agree with every stance and everything the Brewers Association does? Heck no. No. Um, but... It it does seem like there is going to be well, I just it feels like the Brewers Association is feeling a lot of pushback from a a more mature market. Right? The the it's grown a little bit beyond what the Brewers Association has uh beyond their ability to keep a handle on everything the community itself and all that stuff that used to be very united on the brewer association is mm-hmm. now kind of going outside the circle of what the brewer association can control and can um you know keep up with so it's just big it's big beer, it's beer is complicated big it's still a lot of camaraderie but not nearly as much as there used to be i mean the there's there's if anything, more camaraderie now because there are more brewers. But the overall, oh, the, yeah, the net, the net yeah. camaraderie is yeah. up. But the, uh, you know, the the near one hundred percent, everyone's friends is mm-hmm. much less. Yeah, and that's just the nature of this of, of really the brewer association being very successful in turning beer into a very successful business. Yeah. It's almost like. I mean, it makes sense. You, you're hitting a different part of development, right? You know, instead of them being the lobbying, lobby organization for a bunch of startups, mm-hmm. now they're a lobbying organization for several thousand startups, but also these established companies, these, you know, these blue chips as well. Yeah. And maybe blue chips isn't the right term, but, you know, I'm trying to think of, you know, just general company type stuff. And... It it will be interesting, you know. Is is the the needs of the big and the small close enough that one place can still serve them all appropriately? Is you know is something to think about? Probably at this point, because the small, the big is still relatively small, you know. Right. I don't know. It's 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 a weird place. <laughs> you know, the, the beer landscape is a weird place mm-hmm. anymore, and it's hard. To uh, get your head around the whole thing, yeah, I, I'm, uh, it, it, and it'd be silly for us to claim that we have all the answers. No, no, we're just a couple of hobbyists <laughs> who drink beer in a basement. 
platform lawlessness is the porter that we have just finished up. Uh, I mean, we think we enjoyed it, but I did. It's not like the best uh, platform thing that I've had, but mm-hmm. it's a good porter, especially if you want to try something you know that's a little more rustic, a little more period, yeah. a little bit more eighteen hundreds. You know, it, I think it does that pretty well. Probably better because you know it still was drinkable. It still had a nice sweetness to it. There was nothing too ashy, too sharp, too you know, had a nice roundness as well. Yeah. All right. So do let's go okay. back. I mean, the next two are. I mean, the last two are imperial stouts. So we might as well do the mindful. All right. This is from a brewery near me. This is actually a uh, New England IPA, or, or or their version of New England IPA. It, should, it doesn't. I don't know if they necessarily call it that. They call it a, a turbid ale. A turbid ale. This is zero visibility from Mindful Brewing. This is out of their uh, their cannerator. <laughs> Crowler. <laughs> I like Canterator. But... Canterator. But as you can see, it's not, you know. Yeah, it's not like cloudy white. Like, yeah. Like some of them can be. No, it's just a hazy gold. The head on this, uh, the Crowler, it, I poured it rough so it would get a head, but it kind of fell down immediately on it. This is... Um... 6.5% alcohol by volume, 45 IBU. The hops are cashmere from Michigan, and they say a hint of mosaic. Cashmere. Cashmere. Cue up the Zeppelin, man. <laughs> Joking, you don't have to actually cue no, up the No, I, I want to see if they're, you know, what cashmere hops are. So I am smelling... More cantaloupe. You know, maybe I'm on a melon kick tonight, but actually this one I'm getting like a serious cantaloupe melon type aroma in it. There's uh, the mango, the, the mosaic is pop- poking through. That's what I smelled first, but when I really dug my nose in deep, it turned into cantaloupe. So cashmere is a cross of Cascade and Northern Brewer. It's uh, dual purpose, gives overtones of lemon, lime, peach, and melon. There's something a little floral on the nose mm-hmm. as well. Um, I, I'm picturing like a lily flower for some reason, but I really don't know what lilies smell like or taste like. So this is kind of like a cross between... Uh, a phase three IPA and a New England IPA. It feels like it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's mixing the tropical and not so hazy with a little bit of the bit more mouthfeel mm-hmm. of of a hazy one. So it's like a an yeah. N IPA instead of an NE IPA. <laughs> yeah, it's lighter in the carbonation too. It, I think that I think it's losing some of its brightness because it's on the very low carbonation side. But it's a good beer. I think it tastes tastes nice. It, it has um, nice tropical phase three qualities to it. Uh, inoffensive, very drinkable. Yeah, the melon is is there in building. I think that's you know an interesting aspect on this. I'm getting now, I'm actually the more I drink it, I'm getting something a little more 
herbaceous to it as well. It's getting a little bit grassy or, you know, maybe like that parsley or something mm-hmm. like that again. I'm thinking Swiss chard, but it's really not that bitter. No, not, no. But it is more bitter than the floodlight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also recently had from them um, their Battleship double IPA, which okay. is really good. That's cool. Speaking of Pittsburgh beer, we uh, we lost someone in the community. We lost Tony Nippling. He was a, mm-hmm. brewer, a, a sales rep at Vicini Distributing Company, and um, you know it was it was a weird one for me because Tony and I really did not get along. And I've heard a lot of people talk about how you know. No, you know, a lot of people didn't get along with Tony, but they would always, you know, he'd buy him a beer at the end of the night and they'd be good makeup. Well, I never got the beer at the end of the night. We mm. just kind of didn't get along. So, um, I, and I, I'm not going to like bash a dead guy because, and I'm not just laying out platitudes. I seriously mean this. He bootstrapped craft beer in Pittsburgh. He was, Vicini was the first wholesaler. You know, they signed Victory, Trogues, Stone. Shelton Brothers. Who else did they have early on? Other other Pennsylvania brewers like Stouts. I'm trying to think who else he like the nationwide the early ones, but I mean the work that he did, mm-hmm. and he was the guy at Vicini bringing in craft beer. But the work that he did, the doors, the shelves, and the taps that his work opened up for all the craft beer, just cannot be measured. And uh, he had I don't know I probably had a heart attack or something. I, I didn't see any. He collapsed at work. He was visiting an account in um, south of the city and collapsed, taken to the hospital, died. Um, well, so to uh, to Tony. Tony. I was going to say Vinny. I was like, that's no, not right. No, Tony. <laughs> to Tony. Tony Nippling. Uh, I, I, I respect completely the work that he put into the industry in the town. But you're glad he's dead. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding. We can talk about some of that in the post show. I'm not glad he's dead. No, I never never glad anybody's dead, but we had our quarrels. Yeah, they had differences. Um So this uh back to the mindful uh zero visibility. When you hear your name like that, you expect... Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not quite living up to its yeah. name and the expectation that follows along for me. I think that it's really at a disadvantage in this review because the carbonation is so light. I think that I'm not sure if the the draft was low or if something, the crowler wasn't filled quite right. I mean, it's obviously seamed, but, you know, it's it's unfortunate. It's not living up to its potential. But it is tasty. Mm-hmm. And it was, it's better than uh, the stuff I had at um, the other place I went to two weeks ago. The other place you went to? Two it starts with an S, I think. <laughs> I don't recall. I, went, I talked about it. We went there before before the escape room. <sighs> I don't remember that story. It's funny the uh, the things we talk about on the show that we don't remember. Got that tweet from Rubio about if he starts getting pumpkin beers, he considers it an act of war. Oh, you don't that, remember that when he went? Well, I remember it now <laughs> that we told people to send pumpkin beers to the beerists. Send pumpkin beers to the beerists, but I had completely forgot that I had 
issued that order to the craft beer radio army. I shouldn't say that. That's probably trademarked by the Brewing Network. Um, the apathetic listeners of Craft Beer Radio. There. Then also got a quote from the beerists, not to promote them, that working on getting a sweet soundboard with three or four clips we play over and over again so Greg will like us more. Which I don't really get because I don't... He, he's he's jagging on when you are in that like soundboard mood. <laughs> like it's... Kind of on the juvenile side, and it's unexpected that someone with you know, you know, when someone knows Greg, that you enjoy the soundboard as much as well, you I do. Can't be silly, but <laughs> generally you're not too silly. My my response to him was maybe if you guys are better in irony. <laughs> Slam. <laughs> Slam. All right. So that was the zero visibility. Now we got two imperial stouts. So another um, brewery we're going to here that, you know, you never know what you're going to get. Sometimes you hit, sometimes you miss. we got the Free State. Oh, Craig's going to cue us up here. Free State. <laughs> that works so well. <laughs> yeah, there you go, Rubio. There's your soundboard. Yeah, that's our... Yeah, you happy now, Rubio? <laughs> all right, so this is an Imperial Stout from Free State Brewing. Tell us all about it, Greg. If I can find the tab, there it is. 66 IBU malt varieties. I don't see an alcohol by volume, which is weird because they have the malts and hops, but not the alcohol by volume. Uh,. Two row pale golden promise Maris Otter Cara Hell Caramalt thirty thirty seven Victory Munich Aromatic Black Patent and Roasted Barley. Enough for ya? It says ten malts and four hop varieties combined to honor our favorite local blacksmith. The hop varieties are Columbus, Northern Brewer, Centennial, and Chinook. Do you have a favorite local blacksmith, Greg? I don't have, I don't know of a, I don't know of a local blacksmith, <laughs> much less have a favorite. <laughs> I guess in uh, Lawrence, Kansas, they have at least more than one local blacksmith. And still no idea what the alcohol by volume is. Mm-hmm. Like this. We'll just... probably figure out by the end of our samples. <laughs> All right, the aroma on this guy is kind of toffee, rich, chocolatey, a little boozy for sure. The, the alcohol is coming out of the nose. And, you know, I like my Instrapurial stouts when they're boozy. Almost like a light oxidation, like a sherry type aroma as well. Kind of build, you know, because like dark beers mm-hmm. tend to oxidize, and it'll it'll work well with the the flavor profiles. Oftentimes, okay, I have an answer on the alcohol by volume from two different sources. Moving on to the flavor, there's almost like a woodiness to it, almost like a chicory or something like that. I'm not telling you what the alcohol by volume is because I'm going to let Jeff guess. Okay. We're going to play that game. Give me a few sips and see if it feels like I 
mainline the beer. I'll give you a hint. No, no hint. It is less than 30%. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I was really hedging my bets. I was going to say 37%, but now I saved face. Thank you. <laughs> there's some dark fruits in here that are pretty interesting. You know, it kind of plays with that oxidative smell. Yes. You know, there's kind of um, dried cherries. A lot of prune. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little tobacco. Yep. And a little... Yeah, a little like oyster mushroom, a little sort of earthy mm-hmm. undertone. Um, good. I like it. I think I like it more than the platform. Okay. Yeah, there's... Um... I mean, it's a stout out of porter, but I mean, it's... It, it's... It's a, got a creaminess that I'm digging, and it's... While I do like an astringent porter, um, I think the platform may have been a bit too astringent, and this is kind of fitting nicely in an imperial stout that I like. And it's not that... To me, it's not like a as um, heavy a bear hug as, as you sometimes like from imperial stout, but it's, it's close, and it's got a lot of nice flavors to it. I am... So this was... It has a significant oxidative type flavor to it. Mm-hmm. It was only yeah, it's bottled. kind of an old ale. Type it was thing. only bottled in January, and it's been in the fridge for most of the time. Uh, that that's surprising. It tastes like a beer that is five years old. So that means, though, if this if this bottle is a is a characteristic, you know, is a is anything to go by, then if it's been sitting around for six months on the shelf, I don't know how great it's going to be uh, it's hard to say i mean with a sample of one where it's so far out of the norm did it was the crown cap? i'm saying if if you're using this as your standard like if you're assuming that that all bottles are like this if you make that big assumption i mean but then my my, my argument at that point was like you really can't predict i mean it's it's already it tastes five years old and it's yeah. six months old. I don't know what to expect beyond that. I don't. I, I don't think it would ex- turn another five years in another six months. I mean, but it I might have a more potential to. It, it might it might taste like this new too. I mean, it's yeah. it's all I'm giving is an observation that this tastes like imperial stouts that I've had that are better, like five years old. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It tastes like it has a lot of age on it. <laughs> Well, and in a good way. Like, well, right, right. I mean, imperial stouts are interesting with age, not as interesting as barley wines or ales can be, but mm-hmm. they are interesting. And this beer is interesting with age. I'm just stunned that it was brewed in Jan- or bottled in January of 2017 and not January of 2012. So, do you have a prediction for alcohol volume? Seven, seven. That is incorrect. Okay. Do you want me to tell you whether it's sure. high or low? No, just, or do you tell, want me to tell just you tell me what it is. Just tell you what it is. 8.4. Okay. I, I think you're within a, a standard. I mean, so I mean, it might be interesting how I came at that, right? So, I mean, I'm not feeling an inflush of intoxication like you can with like a 13% right. imperial stout. Um, knowing the ABVs of some other free state beers, they're generally on the low side. So that's why I kind of 
you know, picked seven. I was actually going to say like six and a half, but I mm. upped it to seven. Six and a half would have been further off. <laughs> I'm, I'm, but I'm, is that I'm, how numbers work? I mean, not just in the fact that the number is further, but it, that I feel like that there is more of an alcohol presence here than a, than a six and a half. Yeah, you're right. I mean, part of the thing I said is I could smell a booziness, yeah. and you can taste a bit of a booziness, and I like that in my Imperial Stouts. I'm glad that's there. That's part of the thing that I'm really looking for in a beer like this, and it works. It's just very curious how it tastes so old. I might have guessed a nine. Okay. That was the Free State. Iron Man. All right. What do we got left? Too bad the next one's not called War Pigs or something. <laughs> uh, so I think you picked this one up, right? Or no, we had listeners send this. Listeners send Yes, this is the... Farnham Russian Imperial Stout, aged in bourbon barrels. Brewed in South Burlington. What's that I hear? Do I hear something? Ooh. Oh. Amazon uh, makes stuff you can buy, so go to craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. Just do it. It doesn't cost you a penny more. Helps What's us. This? Craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. All right. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> I don't know why we're McConaughey there. <laughs> why not, man? Why not? So this is Farnham's Farnham Ale and Lager 65. Farnham is in Quebec. This is a Russian Imperial Stout. 7.8% alcohol by volume. This was brewed once, so uh, good luck getting it. Look how deep and rich and thick this guy is. This was brewed uh, in January of 2017. The label says 2016. Oh, so it may have been brewed in late 2016. It was added to Beer Advocate. Oh, okay. So the label has some information here. Um, oh, can, okay, cool. Can... 65 IBU. Um, Nugget, Golding, and Fuggle are the hops that are used. As I said, 7.8% alcohol by volume. And... Weirdly, oh no, not weirdly, never mind. <laughs> I was going to say, weirdly, it seems like there is a, it had, like, had a 65 and then had a different sticker on it for the information. Oh. But oh. no, it's it, it's just a oh, sticker that's multicolored, so. Yeah, it's it does look bit. like it's like, has depth to it. Yeah. <clears throat> so all of their breweries, all their brews, rather, have uh, numbers on them. Uh, in this case, the number 65 matches the IBU. Okay. I don't know if that's the, their their standard, because they have a bunch of numbers that are different. That are not... That, that, that doesn't seem to go from one, so maybe that this just matches IBU. But that's weird, because you see 65, and you're not necessarily thinking necessarily. If you see... If you think 65 IBU, I don't think the first... So the beer's name is 65? The beer's name is 65. Oh, okay. I'm just wondering if, if the first thing that comes out of your head when you think... If you think a beer with 65 IBU is the first thing you're going to think of an Imperial Stout. Probably not. Yeah, so the can says 65 Farham Ale and Lager. 
And then in like the big bold black label where you can actually read stuff clearly it says Imperial Russian style Asian bourbon barrels. So I didn't I didn't realize that sixty five was the name and not just part of the art. So another example of of, of their uh beers, twelve. What would you guess their okay. twelve is? Uh, oh, okay. So their twelve is probably a goza. No. Because there's twelve limes served in each glass. No. Uh I, I would say that Come on, that's as good of a guess as any, right? Well, I would say that what I was saying before, where the numbers oh, the seem to match the IBU, that seems to be the case. Oh. Okay, so 12 is a Berliner Weiss, uh, Whitbeer. Close. Hefeweizen. Yes, 12 is a Hefeweizen. Uh, so, 42. 42, American Pale Ale. Exactly. Okay, this game's kind of fun. What, yeah. what next? Um, this should be easy. Seventy-eight. Seventy-eight. I uh, IPA. Double IPA. Double IPA is correct. Twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. That's a good one. Twenty-seven. Let's go with. Kind of in the nebulous zone, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. Um, I'll give you a hint on this. Brown one. ale. I'll give you a hint. It's not a nail. Not a nail. Kolsch. Nope. No. Well, I guess that's technically a nail. So I don't even know my styles. What is it? It's a German Pilsner. Pilsner at 27. 35. Tough. Tough. This one's tough. Ken Jennings help. Um, Abby. No. English bitter. I was going to guess bitter for the last really? one. Really? For the last one? Oh, for, 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 the, for the 27. Yeah. I mean, 27, 35, they're close. Yeah. Um, other ones that are on there, no more of this game. 46 is their Saison, um, which is... Pretty hoppy for a saison, or at least pretty bitter for a saison, I should say. Um, Fifty-eight is an American IPA. Sixty-four is an American IPA, and yeah, then they also have a couple other. That's a weird naming scheme. Well, they I have mean... a couple that that aren't. There's, there's something called Ben and Bim that was uh, Imperial Double Stout. Ben and Bim, that's from Fox and Socks from Doctor Seuss. Okay. There's Balthazar Blanche, which was a wit beer. Um. Anyway, let's talk about this beer. Uh, this is sixty-five. Everyone's gonna know what it means when we just say sixty-five yes. now, because this is such a logical naming scheme. Uh, can't even trademark sixty-five, really? Can you? I, I don't think you can trademark a number. Well, in the use for beer, I, I don't think you can. That'd be weird. I don't know if you could trademark that. If... <laughs> Okay, later. Yeah. Let's talk about there. So when I first smelled this thing, I was getting a quite, quite a bit of acetone nail polish remover. It's air. It's air. Kind of came out of the beer. I'm not smelling it as badly now. I smell it big time. Okay. 
Bummer. Yours smells a lot better than mine. Really? Yours, that you can actually smell like the roast. I can't smell roast. Here, smell this beast of a spoiled beer. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh. Yeah, pour that out. Okay. <laughs> it sure looked good. The um. The number scheme is interesting for a quiz, right? <laughs> yeah. But um, we wasted a lot of time on a spoiled ass beer. Wow. So we have okay. Um, since there are since these are big, you know, there's a growler and, and a mm-hmm. can that we have to finish up anyway. Right. There's no point in in going further and getting another beer out of the fridge. Sounds good to me. So we'll just do these four that we can judge. Because the other two, we just do. They're, uh, we don't feel comfortable judging a beer that's spoiled. Okay. Yep. There's four. Four beers. Then there was four. I can go first. There's only four. It's easy to easy to sort these ones out. Uh-huh. I am going to put the uh, zero visibility in last place. I think the, the low carbonation that just killed the beer, at least ranking-wise, valuation-wise, it really closed it off. It tasted kind of flat. Just... It's almost not rankable because of the carbonation to me. Well, I, I, th- I, I don't think it's a fair ranking for what someone else's taste of zero visibility might be. There's nothing, there's nothing ruined about it. There's nothing well, that, that, that's off about it. So okay. I, I feel like. Well, what's the reason we don't rank the beers? Because the beer we tasted isn't, um, isn't a. a it's in a sample that you're likely to find out out in the world yourself, right? Like you're not gonna if you get a foreign ham, that you know it's not might not be spoiled just the same way. If you get a zero visibility from Mindful, it probably is not gonna be as flat as this one. And for me, it it just took everything away from the beer. Okay. So it's almost not it's almost na for me because of a packaging flaw that made the beer a shadow of what it probably is. Well, I'm going to have some more of it. No. And so will you, because yeah, this no. can has to be... <laughs> I understand. I'll drink more of it, too. It, but, I mean, of these it, four it beers... It seems weird, because the other ones we poured out, right? I mean, that, yeah. that is, is no. part of the thing, so I don't want to... I, I don't want Right, to but, be... I mean, I, I think this beer is probably a lot better with the right carbonation levels. Yeah, the color is. It, it looked weird at first at the, when we were. I, I just, I, for, but so still last place. I mean, okay. but I think I wasn't tasting everything in this beer. Then I'm going to put. I'm going to put the Free State in third place. The Iron Man Imperial Stout. I liked a lot about this beer. I thought it had really well aged flavor. I just can't figure out how they got five years of age and six months of bottle time. Uh, it had the booziness. It had kind of that classic imperial stout, you know, almost like an import or something like that. You know, Free State typically does uh, more classic feeling takes on beers. You know, they're not bleeding edge on the beers that we've tasted. I liked it. Um, the oxidation was intense and maybe a little too much for me to love it. I think mm-hmm. if the beer t- was a little bit younger, I think I might have loved it. I'm going to put the platform 
in second place, the Lawlessness Porter. Um, that beer was well put together. It had that smoky thing going on. And, you know, it's, it's going to be up to your personal palate whether you want that in your porters or not. Um, but kind of as a research, kind of thinking back to what, like, classic um, production methods were, this is kind of a throwback type yeah. to that. And I really enjoyed tasting it. And I think, you know, they used modern methods to make it yummier than an 1830s porter probably was. Sure. So, I, you know... Um, that one worked out pretty well. And then I'm going to put the, the Grist House um, Floodline in first place. It had um, that herbaceous thing. It had a touch of melon to it. You know, it was just not not as good as like those Brew Gentleman beers that we had, but still pretty good. Yeah. Um, I, I think the clarification I would put for, for rankings this time is that none of these beers were like spectacular. Right? Nothing we were over the moon with. Um, so number one this week is not necessarily going to be number one in, in some other week, but we judge relatively mm-hmm. based on the show. Uh, and knowing that's the case in fourth place, I'm actually going to put the platform, um, little over astringent, I think just a little like, but as you said, I mean, a, a good example of that kind of beer. And if you want that. It's a. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, and I, I can certainly see. I just want some astringent porter. I would look for it, uh, but in general, I tend to like my porters. Though I, li- I like there to be a sort of raisiny astringency note. I don't like it to be the big, the major note in the beer. Uh, in third place, I'm going to put the mindful. Um, <laughs> I think that it, uh, as kind of a halfway New England, uh, it it you know it had some. It, it felt like it, it it needed a bit more work to to go all the way. It felt like it was only committing halfway to the to the New England like mm-hmm. uh, potential. Uh, but a tasty, I mean, tasty combination of phase three hops, and I'm always good, you know, into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in second place, the Free State, which could have gone the way of these other two beers. <laughs> Right, uh, or also could have gone to straight to the top it, if it, it tasted yeah, a little younger. Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those situations where it's really hard to tell. But in this case, I'm going to put it in second place. I'm uh, going to put the first place in Grist House. In some sense, uh, it has. We've talked about before how some beers occasionally cheat. It's not so much that they cheat willingly it's that we have cheat codes that apply to certain <laughs> times and uh, a new alien ipa is a cheat code that right now is going to uh, be very successful uh as long as you you know do the do the general things if you just make a decent new england ipa you're probably gonna hit hit pretty high on our list just because that we're we are jonesing for it uh you know give us a year and it may be a completely different story right but uh I mean, I'm still thinking back to that General Braddock's we had last yeah. time, and I just wanted like and I'm going to drive. And man, do I want! I wish I was able to get the other one. Like, like yeah. that that Lou was so was like, I would say, I don't know, ten times better is the right thing, but it was better. It was considerably <laughs> that's, better, that's noticeably bonkers. better. So, yeah, and and the General Braddock is really good. So, yeah, I mean, I think this is this is a show that is. Not, I wouldn't say a middling show. Right? These are all good beers, mm-hmm. uh, but it doesn't compare to the best shows that we've done. 
but that's okay. We've done 432 now. <laughs> if you only count the show's quality based upon how good the beers are. On yeah. Podcast. Yeah. I, I, I would recommend pretty much all these beers. Yeah. I would recommend all these beers. Absolutely. Um, especially over what we would typically find. Like the one. <laughs> we, went out of, we had a work day and we went out to um, Hula Hands, which is a local mm-hmm. bar chain. And. I, yeah, you know, I'm going for cocktails at that point because the beer list they have is like, uh, even the stuff that is you know craft stuff, like legitimate craft stuff, is mm-hmm. stuff I've had over and over and over again. So, right. Gotcha. This is not stuff general that people have had over and over again. So I think good. I'm with you. All right, thank you everybody for listening to Craft Beer Radio. I really do appreciate you taking the time to out of your busy days listen to our show if you want to send us an email that's beer at craftbeerradio.com if you want to send us a tweet it's at craftbeerradio I'm at Jeff Bear I am at CBR Greg and uh, craftbeerradio is released in the Creative Commons license you can visit craftbeerradio.com for more information um, go watch What Hot American Summer 10 years later and purchase the first movie uh, through, I guess you, if you have Netflix, you can just watch it there. But you can go to craftlyradio.com slash Amazon and purchase it. <laughs> oh, what I'll marry some of the yeah. movie? Yeah. yeah, I guess you could do that. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>